Welcome to my IELTS classroom, the podcast where two English experts talk all things IELTS. I'm Shelley Cornick. And I'm Nick Lone. And today we are going to complete a full Cambridge IELTS listening test. We will let you do the test, then check our answers together, plus discuss if there are any surprises waiting for us in the new Cambridge book. Good evening, Nick. How are you evening. doing? Welcome to the echo room of your new apartment. <laughs> it's like recording a podcast in a cathedral. <laughs> it has got very high ceilings. Um, yes, I've m- safely moved to my new house. I still don't have any furniture, really. That's why uh, it's so echoey, probably. Once you get some it, furniture in, it'll be fine. I need some furniture and a few rugs and everything will calm down. Um So, following from our episode last week, where we completed a reading test together, I thought, just to make sure everybody can play this week, because last week was only for academic students, we would do the same with a listening test. So, if you are at home now, the test we are going to do is the test from Cambridge 17, so Mm -hmm. the new Cambridge book, test four. I've chosen test four again, because in my logic, students usually start with test one. So even if you've started the book, there may be a chance you haven't done test four yet. So what we're going to do, I think this is what we did last time, isn't it, Nick, when we did one from Cambridge 16, Mm -hmm. is that we will play now the whole of the test. So obviously you're going to need the questions. Where do you think they can find the questions, Nick? On the MyOps Classroom blog. <laughs> exactly. So if you go to the blog, it'll be the first lesson up there from this week. Click download. You'll be able to download the questions. There'll also be a download link. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, have a look at the episode description. I always put that at the beginning there. Download the questions. Do the test yourself. Try to do it in exam condition. So just listen once. Answer the questions as you listen. If you've never taken the test before, maybe you might want to go back and, you know, take a look at some of the listening episodes Nick and I have done in the past so that you'll know the right tactics. But in any case, we're going to do the test now. So in a moment, Nick's going to insert the audio. You can do the test and then Nick and I will come back. We've literally just finished it ourselves and we'll go through the answers, but we won't just give you the answers. We'll talk about the ways that IELTS tried to trick you. Uh, We'll talk about the questions that we thought were easy and difficult. Basically, we'll offer some type of analysis. So are you ready? Get yourself a pen, download the questions, do the test. Part 1. You will hear a man phoning to inquire about a cleaning service for his apartment. First, you have some time to look at questions 1 to 5. Now listen carefully and answer questions 1 to 5. Hello, Easy Life Cleaning Services, Jacinta speaking. Oh, hello. I'm looking for a cleaning service for my apartment. Do you do domestic cleaning? Sure. Well, it's just a one-bedroom flat. Do you have a basic cleaning package? Yes. For a one-bedroom flat, we're probably looking at about two hours for a clean 
so we'd do a thorough clean of all surfaces in each room and polish them where necessary. Does your apartment have carpets? No, I don't have any, but the floor would need cleaning. Of course. We'd do that in every room. And we'd do a thorough clean of the kitchen and bathroom. Okay. Then we have some additional services, which you can request if you want. So, for example, we can clean your oven for you every week. Actually, I hardly ever use that. But can you do the fridge? Sure. Would you like that done every week? Yes, definitely. And would ironing clothes be an additional service you can do? Yes, of course. It wouldn't be much, just my shirts for work that week. That's fine. And we could also clean your microwave if you want. No, I wipe that out pretty regularly, so there's no need for that. We also offer additional services that you might want a bit less often, say every month. So, for example, if the inside of your windows need cleaning, we could do that. Yes, that'd be good. I'm on the 15th floor, so the outside gets done regularly by specialists, but the inside does get a bit grubby. And we could arrange for your curtains to get cleaned if necessary. No, they're OK. a y But would you be able to do something about the balcony? It's quite small and I don't use it much, but it could do with a wash every month or so. Yes, we can get the pressure washer onto that. Before you hear the rest of the conversation, you have some time to look at questions 6 to 10. Now listen and answer questions 6 to 10. Now, if you're interested, we do offer some other possibilities to do with general maintenance. For example, if you have a problem with water and you need a plumber in a hurry, we can put you in touch with a reliable one who can come out straight away. And the same thing if you need an electrician. Right, that's good to know. I've only just moved here, so I don't have any of those sorts of contacts. And I don't know if this is of interest to you, but we also offer a special vacuum cleaning system which can improve the indoor air quality of your home by capturing up to 99% of all the dust in the air. So if you're troubled by allergies, this can make a big difference. Right. In fact, I don't have that sort of problem, but I'll bear it in mind. Now, can you tell me a bit about your cleaning staff? Of course. So all our cleaners are very carefully selected. When they apply to us, they have to undergo a security check with the police to make sure they don't have any sort of criminal background. And of course, they have to provide references as well. Then if we think they might be suitable for the job, we give them training for it. That lasts for two weeks, so it's very thorough, and at the end of it they have a test. If they pass that, we take them on. but we monitor them very carefully. We ask all our clients to complete a review of their performance after every visit and to email it to us. So we can pick up any problems straight away and deal with them. OK, a y well, that all sounds good. And will I always have the same cleaner? Yes, we do our best to organise it that way and we usually manage it. Good, that's fine. Right, so I'd like to go ahead and... 
that is the end of part one. You now have half a minute to check your answers to part one. Part 2. You will hear a training manager giving a talk to a group of senior staff from a hotel chain about the problem of high staff turnover. First, you have some time to look at questions 11 to 14. Now listen carefully and answer questions 11 to 14. As many of you here today have worked in the hotel industry for some time, I'm sure you have experienced the problem of high staff turnover in your hotels. Every hotel relies on having loyal and experienced members of staff who make sure that everything runs smoothly. If staff are constantly changing, it can make life difficult for everyone. But why do staff leave frequently in many hotels? Of course, many hotel jobs, such as cleaning, are low-skilled and are not well-paid. A lot of managers think it's this and the long hours that are the main causes of high staff turnover. But what they don't realise is that it's the lack of training in many hotel jobs which is a huge factor. So what kind of problems does a high turnover of staff cause? Well, having to recruit new staff all the time can be very time-consuming, and managers may have to cover some duties while waiting for new staff to arrive. This means they don't have time to think about less immediate problems, such as how to improve their service. When staff leave, it can also severely affect the colleagues they leave behind. It has a negative effect on remaining staff, who may start to feel that they too should be thinking about leaving. So what can be done to change this situation? Firstly, managers should stop making basic errors which leave their staff feeling upset and resentful. When organising shifts, for example, make sure you never give certain staff preferential treatment. All staff should be given some choice about when they work and everyone should have to work some evening and weekend shifts. If you treat staff fairly, they'll be more likely to step in and help when extra staff are needed. Keeping staff happy has other tangible benefits for the business. Take the Dunwich Hotel as an example. 
It had been experiencing a problem with staff complaints, and in order to deal with this, invested in staff training and improved staff conditions. Not only did the level of complaints fall, but they also noticed a significant increase in the amount each customer spent during their stay. They have now introduced a customer loyalty scheme, which is going really well. Before you hear the rest of the talk, you have some time to look at questions 15 to 20. Now listen and answer questions 15 to 20. Now I'd like to look at some ways you can reduce staff turnover in your hotels. And I'll do this by giving some examples of hotels where I've done some training recently. The Sun Club received feedback which showed that staff thought managers didn't value their opinions. They weren't made to feel they were partners who are contributing to the success of the business as a whole. This situation has changed. Junior staff, at all levels, are regularly invited to meetings where their ideas are welcomed. A year ago, the Portland recognised the need to invest in staff retention. Their first step was to introduce a scheme for recognising talent amongst their employees. The hope is that organising training for individuals with management potential will encourage them to stay with the business. At Blue Water, managers decided to recognise 50 high achievers from across the company's huge hotel chain. As a reward, they're sent on an all-expenses-paid trip abroad every year. Fun is an important element in the trips, but there's also the opportunity to learn something useful. This year's trip included a visit to a brewery where staff learned about the new beer that would be served in the hotel. Pentlow Hotels identified that retention of junior reception staff was an issue. In order to encourage them to see that working in a hotel could be worthwhile and rewarding with good prospects, they introduced a management programme. These staff were given additional responsibilities and the chance to work in various roles in the hotel. Green Planet wanted to be seen as a caring employer. To make life easier for staff, many of whom had childcare responsibilities, the hotel began issuing vouchers to help cover the cost of childcare. Louise Marsh at the Amesbury has one of the best staff retention rates in the business. Since she joined the company, she's made a huge effort to achieve this by creating a cooperative and supportive environment. For her, the staff are part of a large family where everyone is valued. OK, now I'd like to move... That is the end of part two. You now have half a minute to check your answers to part two.
Part 3 You will hear two students called Jean and Thomas discussing their sports science course. First, you have some time to look at questions 21 to 24. Now listen carefully and answer questions 21 to 24. Hi Thomas, how are you enjoying the course so far? Yeah, I think it's good. Remind me, why did you decide to study sports science? Didn't you want to be a professional athlete when you were at school? Yeah, that was my goal and all my classmates assumed I would achieve it. They thought I was brilliant. That must have been a nice feeling. Hmm, I thought I could win anything. There was no one who could run faster than me. Exactly. So, what happened? Did your mum and dad want you to be more academic? Not at all. Perhaps they should have pushed me harder, though. What do you mean? I think I should have practised more. What makes you say that? Well... I went out to Kenya for a couple of weeks to train. Really? I didn't know that. I was chosen to go there out of loads of kids and run with some of the top teenage athletes in the world. And I was so calm about it. I just kept thinking how fortunate I was. What a great chance this was. Everyone back home was so proud of me. But once we started competing, I very quickly realised I wasn't good enough. Mm. That must have been a huge shock. I thought, this can't be happening. I was used to winning. I'm sorry to hear that. It's OK. I'm over it now. And I think it's much better to do a university course. And this one has such a variety of sports-related areas. It's going to be good. Oh, I agree. I chose it because of that. Before you hear the rest of the discussion... You have some time to look at questions 25 to 30. Now listen and answer questions 25 to 30. So, Gian, have you thought of any ideas for the discussion session next week on technology and sport? We have to cover more than one sport, don't we? Yeah. You know, we always think technology is about the future, but we could gather some ideas about past developments in sport. Look at early types of equipment, perhaps. Uh... I remember reading something about table tennis bats once, how they ended up being covered with pimpled rubber. Because they were just wooden at first, I'd imagine. Yeah. In about the 1920s, a factory was making rolls of the rubber in bulk for something like horse harnesses. <laughs> really? Yeah. And someone realised that it would make a perfect covering for the wooden bats. So what about cricket? That's had a few innovative changes... Maybe the pads they wear on their legs? I don't think they've changed much, but I'm just looking on the internet. 
and it says that when the first cricket helmet came in in 1978, the Australian batsman who first wore it was booed and jeered by people watching because it was so ugly. Oh, wow, players have to protect themselves from getting hurt. I mean, everyone wears one now. Hmm. Unlike the cycle helmet. Well, unless you're a professional. But you're right. Many ordinary bikers don't wear a helmet. Hey, look at these pictures of original helmet designs. This one looks like an upside-down bowl. <laughs> Yet the woman's laughing. <laughs> She's so proud to be wearing it. It says serious cyclists ended up with wet hair from all the hard exercise. I guess that's why they have large air vents in them now, so that the skin can breathe more easily. Okay, so we've done helmets. What about golf balls, or better still, golf clubs? They've changed a lot. Yeah, I remember my great grandfather telling me that because a club was made entirely of wood, it would easily break, and players had to get another. There's no wood at all in them now, is there? No, they're much more powerful. The same must be true of hockey sticks. I don't think so because players still use wooden sticks today.、Hmm. What it does say here, though, is that when the game started, you had to produce a stick yourself. I guess they just weren't being manufactured. So, one more perhaps. What about football? Well, I know the first balls were made of animal skin. Yeah, they covered them with pieces of leather that were stitched together, but. The balls let in water when it rained. Oh, that would have made them much heavier. That's right. You can imagine the damage to players' necks when the ball was headed. Oh, how painful that must have been. Yeah. Well, I think we can put together some useful ideas. And... That is the end of part three. You now have half a minute to check your answers to part three. Part four. You will hear a presentation by a food science student about the production of maple syrup. First, you have some time to look at questions thirty-one to forty. Now listen carefully and answer questions thirty-one to forty.
Hello, everyone. Today, we're going to look at another natural food product, and that's maple syrup. What is this exactly? Well, maple syrup looks rather like clear honey, but it's not made by bees. It's produced from the plant fluid or sap inside the maple tree, and that makes maple syrup a very natural product. Maple syrup is a thick, golden, sweet tasting liquid that can be bought in bottles or jars and poured onto foods such as waffles and ice cream or used in the baking of cakes and pastries. It contains no preservatives or added ingredients and it provides a healthy alternative to refined sugar. Let's just talk a bit about the maple tree itself. Which is where maple syrup comes from. So, there are many species of maple tree, and they'll grow without fertilizer in areas where there's plenty of moisture in the soil. However, they'll only do this if another important criterion is fulfilled, which is that they must have full or partial sun exposure during the day and very cool nights. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. There are only certain parts of the world that provide all these conditions. One is Canada. And by that, I mean all parts of Canada. And the other is the northeastern states of North America. In these areas, the climate suits the trees perfectly. In fact, Canada produces over two thirds of the world's maple syrup, which is why the five pointed maple leaf is a Canadian symbol. And has featured on the flag since 1964. So, how did maple syrup production begin? Well, long before Europeans settled in these parts of the world, the indigenous communities had started producing maple sugar. They bored holes in the trunks of maple trees and used containers made of tree bark to collect the liquid sap as it poured out. As they were unable to keep the liquid for any length of time, they didn't have storage facilities in those days. They boiled the liquid by placing pieces of rock that had become scorching hot from the sun into the sap. They did this until it turned into sugar, and they were then able to use this to sweeten their food and drinks. Since that time, improvements have been made to the process. But it has changed very little overall. So, let's look at the production of maple syrup today. Clearly, the maple forests are a valuable resource in many Canadian and North American communities. The trees have to be well looked after, and they cannot be used to make syrup until the trunks reach a diameter of around 25 centimeters. This can take anything up to 40 years. As I've already mentioned, maple trees need the right conditions to grow and also to produce sap. Why is this? Well, what happens is that during a cold night, the tree absorbs water from the soil and that rises through the tree's vascular system. But then, in the warmer daytime, the change in temperature. Causes the water to be pushed back down to the bottom of the tree. This continual movement up and down 
leads to the formation of the sap needed for maple syrup production. When the tree is ready, it can be tapped, and this involves drilling a small hole into the trunk and inserting a tube into it that ends in a bucket. The trees can often take several taps, though the workers take care not to cause any damage to the healthy growth of the tree itself. The sap that comes out of the trees consists of 98% water and 2% sugar and other nutrients. It has to be boiled so that much of that water evaporates. And this process has to take place immediately using what are called evaporators. These are basically extremely large pans. The sap is poured into these. A fire is built, and the pans are then heated until the sap boils. As it does this, the water evaporates and the syrup begins to form. The evaporation process creates large quantities of steam, and the sap becomes thicker and denser, and at just the right moment, when the sap is thick enough to be called maple syrup, the worker removes it from the heat. After this process, something called sugar sand has to be filtered out as this builds up during the boiling and gives the syrup a cloudy appearance and a slightly gritty taste. Once this has been done, the syrup is ready to be packaged so that it can be used for a whole variety of products. It takes 40 liters of sap to produce one liter of maple syrup, so you can get an idea of how much is needed. So that's the basic process. In places like Quebec... That is the end of part four. You now have one minute to check your answers to part four. That is the end of the listening test. My IELTS right, well, hopefully now everybody listening has got 40 correct answers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that I've got 40 correct answers, Nick, to be honest. Um, in general, what did you think? Do you think that was an easy test, a medium, a difficult? What was your f um, overall impression? I don't think it was too bad. I actually thought there was a couple of tricky ones in part one. Actually, I agree with you. <laughs> That's interesting. I think part one and also the second part of part two, mm. I thought was more difficult than part three. So there were some tricky bits everywhere, but I think the the thing I struggled with the most actually was part one where I was a bit unsure. 
Okay, brilliant. Well, let's get stuck into it then. So mm. we'll go through all of the answers. So I guess what made, for me, the first thing I thought when I looked at part one was that, you know, usually what we tell students to do is look for keywords that, you know, help guide them as they're listening. There's lots of answers here that just go before or after cleaning the. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so which I think made it difficult. But what did we have for the first one then? So we were listening for basic cleaning package offered. Mm-hmm. So which included cleaning all the surfaces and cleaning what throughout the apartments? Now I'm stuck here because I think the answer could either be carpets or floor. Right. And technically floor is a surface. Oh, I see. Yes. Okay. Well, the answer but is. I wrote floor. <laughs> well, the but I answer wasn't sure. is floor. Mm-hmm. It is. So I think we need to let's have a look. Then I've got the tape script. Always have the tape script as a teacher, um, because she asked him, "Does your apartment have carpets?" Mm-hmm. And then he says, "No, I don't have any, but the floor would need cleaning." Mm-hmm. And so she says, "Of course, we do that in every room." Yeah. But throughout the apartment. Of, Right, mm-hmm. but it is a bit strange because it's what I guess we're looking for is what is going to be included in his basic cleaning package. Because mm. it sounds like they usually offer carpets. If you've got a carpet, they would do it. Yeah. But he's having the floor. So the answer there was floor. Mm-hmm. Um, I got confused for question two. Now, right. This is where you've got to look at the heading because it says not just additional services. Mm-hmm. It says additional services Agreed. Agreed. That one confused me as well. I got and once once confused. I understood that the answer was fairly obvious, but yes. yeah, it threw me a little bit at the beginning. I think a lot of students would have got confused here because she says something at the beginning like, um, "We've got some additional services. We can clean your oven for you every week." Mm-hmm. But he so said no do- to that, didn't he? He did. So a lot of students would have said, "Doop de do oven mm-hmm. answer finished." But he said no. What did he want cleaning instead? Fridge. It was the fridge. Mm-hmm. And then also I thought number three was tricky because, you know, he's going to get his eye, his clothes ironed, mm-hmm. but he's only going to get what? Shirts. Shirts. But again, that's something he says. It's not something that's sort of mm. predetermined, is mm-hmm. it? Um, every month, what is going to be cleaned from the inside? The next two weren't too difficult. Number four yeah. is windows. It was the windows. Mm-hmm. And number five, they're going to wash down the... Balcony. Right. So initially she offered the curtains. Mm-hmm. Again, he said no. He wanted the balcony. Mm-hmm. So Nick, I agree with you. I think this is much trickier than the usual <laughs> part, part one. one. Yeah. <sighs> Definitely. Because you've got to be thinking what services did he agree to. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought balcony might be a difficult word for some students to spell maybe. Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's B-A-L-C-O-N-Y. Um, I thought the last ones were maybe, well, no. So number six was quite easy. So they can organize a plumber or an... Electrician. Electrician. Spelling would probably be a tricky on that one. I agree. How do you spell electrician? Nick? E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-I-A-N. It was tricky, but I mean, I, you'd have to be a bit silly to write plumber for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, seven was quite tricky as well, though. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah, it was. I thought the answer was going to be pets. So right. I kept waiting for her to say pets. Did you? It was dust. Anyone? It was dust. No. Dust. Dust. And the funny thing was, she didn't actually say if you're allergic to dust no, at all. No, she didn't. Nope. She said she it removes said- 99% of 
allergies, but she'd mentioned dust before that. Exactly. She said it removes 99% of dust. So if you're troubled by allergies, this can make a big difference. Mm. So the key word allergy was mentioned long after Mm -hmm. dust. Yeah. So that is tricky. Um, Eight, nine, ten may be the easier ones. Yeah. Before being hired, a background check is carried out by... Uh, The police. The police. All cleaners are given... Training. Yeah, for two weeks. And customers send a... A review. A review. So there are still some easy ones in there, but Mm -hmm. I do think a lot of people will have been confused by question two... Maybe also question five. And question one. And, and question one, yeah. So definitely not mm. the easy part one that we've been used to. Um, let's move on then to part two. So we had the training for these hotel managers. Mm-hmm. I thought the answers here were quite clear, actually. Um, yeah. But let's have a look. So for number 11, many hotel managers are unaware that their staff leave because of something. Uh, What's the key word in that question, Nick? What would we want to focus on when we're listening for this one? Unaware. It's what are the managers unaware of? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I think they were aware of the long hours and the low pay. But not the lack of training. Yeah. But not the lack of training. And mm-hmm. they and the and the lady clearly said, or the man said, what they don't realise mm-hmm. is lack of training. So there were no synonyms there. Mm-hmm. They used the phrase lack of training, but you had to understand we were listening for what they were unaware of. Mm-hmm. All right. Then we needed to hear the impact of high staff turnover on managers yes so what answers have you got for this one so again we heard all three of them but specifically for managers it was an increased workload it was because i think he said they have to it can be time consuming because the managers have to cover duties Mm -hmm. they definitely mentioned low morale but that wasn't for managers was it no that was for the team it was for the team and the the other staff staff. Mm -hmm. so that's where you had to be really careful that you listen specifically for managers Mm mm-hmm so we've got AA. Let's look at question 13. What mistake should managers always avoid? Again, A. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's A again, isn't mm-hmm. it? Now, I thought this one was more difficult. The language yes. is a bit trickier. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Can you remember what he said? He didn't say no. failing to treat staff equally. No, I can't remember what he said. I think he said you must make sure that you never give certain staff preferential treatment. Preferential treatment, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't give people preferences. That's the opposite mm-hmm. of um, failing or a synonym for failing mm-hmm. to treat them equally. So I thought that was more difficult from a language perspective. Mm-hmm. I also thought it was more difficult from a panic perspective because we've had <laughs> AAA. Yeah. Um, I also which was is thinking about that. Quite unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, for question number 14, mm-hmm. you know, again, always know what you're listening for. What is the important thing or in the stem or the question here, which we should be focusing on when we're listening? Unexpected. Yes. What is the unexpected benefit? Mm-hmm. So what was the unexpected benefit? Now, this one was very difficult because yeah. the, the two of them were mentioned, but they used inversion to do it. Oh, did they? What, do you remember what they yeah. said? Um, I think they said it was not it not only resulted in a fall in customer complaints, but also a rise mm. in spending per customer. That's right. They did. They mm-hmm. used a nice not only there, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and the surprise one, I guess, would be the second one. The second one, one yeah. Which is the rise in customer mm-hmm. spending. So that's C. Very difficult. So that's 
AAAC. I was th- that one was tricky. I was double thinking on like double taking on a couple of them. Like, was yeah. that really the answer? Just yeah, tricking. Um, for for me, I thought I was expecting the next. What have we got? Six questions to be mm-hmm. relatively easy. Yeah, because. It's rare that you get this type of matching in part two. So mm-hmm. usually matching is in part three where mm. we've got multiple answers. But mm-hmm. this is the type of uh, matching question where we're going to use some of the letters more than once. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have repeated synonyms. So what we're really listening for for this one is, you know, how are we going to reduce staff turnover? Mm-hmm. We're going to be listening for synonyms about improving the relationships. Mm-hmm. We're going to listen. That would be the answer A. Uh, synonyms for offering incentives. Now, some students may not know what an incentive is, Nick. What yep. is an incentive? Um, something that's given to the staff as like a benefit or a bonus. It's like a bonus. It's usually like a bonus that that um, encourages people to do something well, doesn't yeah. it? So mm-hmm. it's like a reason why people work. So some incentive or financial benefit. So as you said, some reward. And then C, we needed some sort of career opportunities. Mm-hmm. I felt here, although I aren't understood his description of all the hotels. I found it hard sometimes to understand if it was a relationship, mm. something financial or something career. It I thought the career tricky, and yeah. the incentive. Kind of similar, aren't they? Kind of similar. So in the Sun Club, mm-hmm. I think they realized that the managers didn't value the opinions of the staff. So they started to invite them to meetings. Mm-hmm. So how did that reduce staff turnover? What would the answer be for that one? That would be A. So I think that's improving the Mm -hmm. relationships, isn't it? Right. So it's not about your career or money. It's just about listening to. So that's relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, At the Portland, they introduced a scheme to recognize talent. So they started to offer training Mm -hmm. for those with management potential. Good. Yeah. So that's C, career opportunities. That is. But again, they're not directly saying that, are you? You've got to Mm. understand if you've got management potential, that probably means you're going to be able to train and Mm -hmm. move up in the company. Yeah. I thought that was hard. Um, In 17, they recognized 50 high achievers and Mm -hmm. sent them abroad on an all expenses paid trip. Well, that's B, of course. Yeah, that's a financial benefit. It is, but then I thought that got confusing then because they started to say, you know, fun is an important element in the trips, but there's an opportunity to learn something. And I kept thinking, well, is it more complicated? But it's not. You just get Mm -hmm. an all expenses paid holiday is an incentive, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Yep. Um, At the Pentlow Hotels, um, they said that it was all about retaining people um, using a management program. Career opportunities again. I thought that was one of the easier ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At Green Planet, it was about childcare. They offered vouchers for the cost of childcare. Vouchers is another form of money. So that's yes. going to be an incentive. It is. And finally, the Amesbury, mm-hmm. uh, I think it just said they tried to create a cooperative and supportive environment. The staff are part of a large, yeah. Mm-hmm. If the staff are part of a large family where everyone is valued, that's relationships and teamwork. Again, maybe at home, that's not the type of question that is too difficult. But I do think the fact that you had to sort of like connect Mm. what they've done with, you know, is that a relationship thing? Is that a money thing? Is that a career thing? Mm -hmm. I think that could be quite hard because it's not about matching words. It's about matching the sort of overall idea, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's not an easy Uh, one. I'm 20 for 20 so far, though. 
Thank goodness. All right. <laughs> Otherwise, people will have to start listening to another podcast. Um, all right. Let's move on then to part three. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go stick my neck out here. I actually thought for part three, mm-hmm. I thought it was quite easy. All of it. The first two questions, I think I missed something and then I had to think back and write down what I thought the answer was. Okay. So... I also thought if we look at part three, so these are where we're selecting two options. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought what was interesting, so the first one we were just focusing on Thomas's activities at school. Mm-hmm. Um, there was nothing particularly tricky to listen out for, but what I noticed as I was looking at the, f- the five answers is that mm. we've got a should have mm-hmm. and a could have. Mm. They love that in part three, don't they? They do, yeah. So, you know, he should have felt more positive would mean he didn't feel positive, mm-hmm. right? And now he regrets it. Or he could have worked harder, meant he didn't work hard. hard. Mm-hmm. So the first one we heard, I thought was quite easy, was E, was all about his classmates. Yeah, this is the one that I missed. And then when I realized they'd gone on to Kenya, I was like, uh, oh, that's finished already, is it? So I went back and wrote E because I remembered that bit about the classmates. I mean, I think maybe the reason maybe you missed it, Nick, is that that wasn't really the main focus or the no. main point of what he was talking about, no, was it? not really. Um, so that it was sort of a bit more like supplementary information. Mm-hmm. So that could be something that students overlooked. The one which we definitely heard, though, what was the other it answer was C, here? that one. Yeah, he could have worked harder at them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think basically because everybody told him he was brilliant all the time. <laughs> he didn't practice. Yeah. And then in... Questions 23 and 24, we're now focusing on his feelings. Mm. And I guess this is difficult because really here, we need to be able to summarize what he says into a feeling. And if you don't know what the feelings are, so disbelief, relief, stress, gratitude, and homesickness. Mm. If you're not sure what those are, that can be difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, But what was the first thing that he felt? He felt gratitude, firstly. He did. He He was very thankful. Wasn't he? He said he was thankful and he said he couldn't believe how fortunate he was. Mm-hmm. So gratitude is when you feel thankful for something. I'm sure that's a word which a, a lot of students may not know. Mm-hmm. So that could be a vocabulary problem. Mm-hmm. But that gratitude, that soon changed, didn't it? Yeah. What did he feel next? Now, I think the second one was disbelief. It is disbelief. Yeah. yeah. So he actually said shock. Mm-hmm. And he said, this can't be happening. So disbelief is basically mm-hmm. a synonym of shock because mm-hmm. he wasn't the best runner anymore, was yeah, he? because he didn't work hard enough at school. Didn't work hard enough. <laughs> lazy, lazy Thomas. Um, there we go. But for part three, I didn't, I don't know. As you said, Nick, maybe that, fir- that first one, as it wasn't the main focus, could mm. be tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was for and- one of the easiest part threes I've done, I think. Oh, definitely. And this multiple matching, Mm -hmm. I think I can often get very confused by these, but I felt like the answers were all very different. Yeah. So it went, once you, if you listened and you understood it, it was quite easy to select the right. To pick it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they started by talking about the table tennis bat. Mm -hmm. So they used to just be wooden. Mm -hmm. Then they covered them with this, um, rubber, like pimply rubber. Mm -hmm. What did they tell us about that? That it was being mass produced for another purpose. And then in 1920, someone got some cutoffs or something, didn't they? And started making tennis rackets with it. Exactly. So it was Mm -hmm. being made for rolls for horse harnesses. That's originally. Mm -hmm. Uh, The cricket helmet. Mm -hmm. Um, It was unpopular among spectators. The first person who wore it got booed. 
he got booed. So you have to understand booed is mm-hmm. literally means everyone went boo. So it was unpopular with the crowd. Mm-hmm. The cycle helmet was maybe the most difficult one. Mm. Yeah, I think this was the one I struggled with the most, but it was about um, sweating, excessive sweating. Yes. And they cut holes in it so that people wouldn't sweat so much. Exactly. People had wet hair, so you had to understand the hair was wet because, because of they, they were sweating. sweating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was a sort of a logical leap there that was mm-hmm. needed. Um, the golf club... It often had to be replaced. It was made of wood and it broke very easily. Again, you have to understand if it breaks easily... By default, that means it needs to be replaced. Mm -hmm. We didn't hear the words replaced, but we heard it breaks a lot. So we Mm -hmm. should understand that's the next step. Question 29 was maybe an easy one. I think they said that people had to produce a stick themselves. Mm -hmm. So make their own. So they have to make their own. And what about the football, Nick? Is that your sport? The football was, it caused injuries because when it was wet, it was very heavy and it used to damage people's heads and necks. Exactly. Again, though... She didn't say it damages. They said, imagine the damage to Mm. the player's neck. So you Mm -hmm. have again got to sort of understand, well, they're saying that it was bad for their necks. Therefore, they must have been injured. Mm -hmm. That's maybe the one tricky thing with this Mm. is that you have to sort of like understand what the implications are Mm -hmm. of what they say. But I would say for a part three... I struggled more with part one and part two than I did with that one, I would say. Me too. Which was a surprise, a big surprise for me. And if you're in an exam and that happens, that could really knock you off, couldn't it? If you yes. struggled in part one, you're gonna, your little heart rate's going to be going at about 160. Um, the reason I chose this part four was not only because it was at the end of the test, but also because I liked the idea of listening to a lecture on maple syrup. I love mm, maple syrup. Do I hate you like it. maple nope. syrup? disgusting. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I remember I've had it one time in my life and it was at the Little Chef in Peterborough. <laughs> When I was about 12 years old and I ordered pancakes and I tried the maple syrup and it made me feel sick and I wasn't allowed to go. Well, we weren't allowed to leave until we finished everything. So I had to sit there for about an hour and try and eat this disgusting maple syrup. Too sweet for little Nick. (laughs) Mm. All right. Well, I have to say, much like your experience of maple syrup, Mm. I also, this made me feel a little bit sick as well. Because for the first four questions, the notes are not set out as they usually are. Nope. The order is completely gobbledygook. (laughs) It's all very strange. Mm. So the notes are sort of like two abreast. Normally you have like a bullet Mm -hmm. underneath each other. Mm -hmm. Here you've got bullets next to each other. And as Nick said, as I was following, the notes to me didn't always follow the order of what she was saying. Nope. I'm not sure. Let's be honest. We're using a, a copy of Cambridge 17 that has been generously donated by somebody on the internet Mm -hmm. i'm not sure if this is what it really looks like in the book but if it does i would say if you ever get sets of notes we've got multiple notes next to each other forget the usual follow the notes in the order Mm -hmm. look at everything because it can appear anywhere Mm -hmm. so for the question 31 the color is described as golden golden Mm -hmm. she used the word golden but she doesn't say most people would use the word golden to ex- it she didn't it directly wasn't connected say. with a description or a color or no yeah it was she, quite difficult that one she just said it's a thick golden sweet tasting mm-hmm. food mm-hmm. so you just had to hear that sound and what is it compared to refined sugar healthy 
That was okay. She said it's a healthy alternative to mm-hmm. sugar. Then we had a very, very long wait for question 33. And yeah. this is the one that came totally out of order. Mm-hmm. Because what was the answer for that one? The best growing conditions. Climate. And, yes. Which I thought might be growing conditions, actually. Yeah, me too. Um, But that answer appeared way before she told us that it's been on the Canadian, Canadian flag, flag yeah. since 1964. Mm-hmm. So they were completely out of order. Mm. Um, for question number 34, what was used to heat the sap? <sighs> I struggled with this one. Okay. And I'm going to guess the answer is rock. It is rock. Good. <laughs> yes. I thought it might be liquid or rock, but it's the, the rock is used to heat the liquid. <laughs> which is the sap. Which is the sap, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. very difficult. Okay, question 35. The notes are back to normal notes now. Mm-hmm. So I think we had tree trunks may not have the correct... Diameter? I think the most difficult thing about this is... Is the, the spelling. spelling. <laughs> yeah. So it has to be D-I-A-M-E-T-E-R. It T-E-R. has to be E-R at Good. the end. That's what not I got. R-E. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. Um, okay. Then we have a tap is drilled into the trunk and something carries the tap into a bucket. A tube. A tube. A Again, YouTube. pretty simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> YouTube. Question 37, though. Very tricky. Mm-hmm. Large... Pans of sap called evaporators mm-hmm. are heated by a means of a... Fire? Fire. You had to wait a long time yeah, for that. Yeah, that was a tricky A long one. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what is produced during the evaporation process? Steam. Steam. She said large quantities of steam. That's yeah. definitely a lot of. Mm-hmm. Um, 39 was also okay. Sugar sand is removed because it makes the syrup look... Cloudy. Cloudy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And affects the taste. And then the last one is a huge quantity of sap is needed to make a... Litre. I just think a lot of students won't be listening for that quantity there. Mm. It's litre. So you can spell that L-I-T-R-E, English, Mm -hmm. or E-R. But a huge quantity. I think she said it's 40 litres of sap. That was Yeah, yeah, that was Mm -hmm. the huge quantity. So overall... I don't know. I think the shock for me, well, the shock for me for this test is the Mm. difficulty of parts one and two Mm -hmm. and the strange way they've presented the notes in part four. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, any one of those things would be enough to put a student off in the exam room. So I do think that there is a definite level of toughness Mm -hmm. happening there. It is. Did you get 40 out of 40? I did, Nick. I didn't want to show off, but yes. <laughs> I did as well, um, which is better than last time because I got 39 on the last one. <laughs> well, I got 39 last week in class, so I had to surely make up for it <laughs> today. Anyway, how many points did you get at home? Uh, please email us to let us know. We always love getting uh, emails just at hello at my Um Hopefully you found today useful, particularly listening to Nick and I describe, you know, what questions we found easy, what questions we liked. Is there something you would like us to do in the future, right? We've been doing the podcast now for a long time. We've got over a hundred episodes. I would be so grateful if students, you know, called us or well, you can't call us, don't call us, we're teaching. If you emailed us or sent us a message just to say, you know, this is what we would like to hear, mm-hmm. we'd love that, wouldn't we, Nate? We would, it'd be very nice. Yes, so get in touch at hello at myieltsclassroom.com. Uh, but more importantly, have a lovely week and we'll see you next Tuesday for another episode. Bye-bye. Bye. 
My IELTS Classroom podcast is a production of My IELTS Classroom Limited. Nick and I do not represent IELTS and everything you heard in this episode is our own personal opinion. You can find the show notes and transcript for this episode on our blog. That's blog.myieltsclassroom.com. And if you're looking for our video courses, speaking lessons and marking service, you can find that at www.myieltsclassroom.com. If you have a question or query or just want to chat, you can email Nick and I at hello at myieltsclassroom.com. Our theme music is by Heartbeat and our artwork is produced by David Brown. Have a great week, study hard and remember, this is my IELTS classroom. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.